So a few of you know me, a few of you don't. Actually, quite a few of you probably don't. Um, and I'm Megan Morris, and uh, I'm the one on the team that came from a different church. <laughs> um, but there's a huge story in that. And the last three years since 2013, um, I've gone by myself in March on a medical missions trip. And um, it was always lonely. I didn't really have any team with me. I was always by myself. So I knew all the Hondurans. I knew the church. But I didn't have anyone to share my vision with or just my joy with or talk about what we experienced every day. And Robert approached me sometime last year. And he said, you know, I want to lead a trip again. Would you lead it with me? And it was not even a question. It was like, of course. <laughs> um, I knew there'd be two this year. And I just trusted the Lord that he would provide the funds. Um, and so on the trip, it was the third day, and we had visited two schools already, and we had visited the orphanage, and um, that night we were doing devotionals. I had to just share that I had to thank them for coming because um, the pastor and his family, they're not just friends. They're my family. I'm their sister. And so it was so powerful to have that team just accept me and love me. And um, so on that night, um, I shared just how they had become not just, you know, people I went on a mission trip with, but they became my family too. And um, it was amazing just to be able to use everything I had learned over the years on a mission trip. And so I was looking over my pictures on the train ride, plane ride home. <laughs> and uh, the plane ride home is always very emotional for me. But I was looking at my pictures from March, and then I looked at my pictures from the last trip. And my smile was a hundred times different. Um, I could see how much bigger it was. I think I even mentioned it to Colin or Teresa or somebody. And um, I know Honduras is my calling. I know it's my passion. The team, every day they could see it on my face. Um, and so... Uh, God brought me this verse to speak over me for the last three years I've gone alone. And this time I went with someone. And it's in Galatians 6, 9 where it says, Do not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. And I never gave up on my calling. There was a few years in between um, that I didn't go to Honduras. But um, God brought me your church. Not just the team, but your church. Um, he made it very clear that it's time for me to leave my old church and come here, which is a very hard decision in itself. But um, I know God has a plan for this church, for your missions, and he's slowly unraveling it. I could see it when we were on the trip, when I talked to Robert, when I talked to Cullen, um, even a few, Uncle Mike. <laughs> um, so I just want to encourage you that um, you have an awesome church and you you have people who love I, even when I visited it wasn't like I didn't feel alone I saw Robert but I everyone you know people came up to me so thank you and now I'm going to invite who I call Papa Robert <laughs>
Megan is truly remarkable. Truly remarkable. Well, that's worth saying again. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Honduras legacy started in 1999, a small, poor church whose focus was on ministry through compassion, put out a call for help after a catastrophic hurricane. Through a series of events, a team was formed to deliver medical care as best we could, and so began an international cooperative of ministry. Slide. The Honduran church itself was new, but with a vision and a parking lot to host worship services, it thrived. A donated tent was a blessing that lasted for several years. This was their church. Side. You can see the holes in the back. It's been beat up by the wind, but that's where they worship. Fast forward to today, 16 years later, and this is the church campus. It is a healthy oasis in a very poor section of San Pedro Sula. What you see is the new administration complex still under construction. What you don't see over by those parked cars to the left is the worship center. I took this picture from the second floor of their medical clinic, their free medical clinic on campus. So about our trip. While attempting to pull this trip together during informational meetings, team meetings, and support conversations that I had, I was always asked the question, well, what are you going to do down there? This question made me kind of anxious because I didn't know. <laughs> so I usually answered with my best guess. However, during our last meeting, right before the team was going to leave, they were kind of still uneasy about what we were going to do down there. And sure enough, the question came up, what are we going to do down there? So after hedging so many times before, I just kind of answered the question, well, I'm not exactly sure, but... A loose agenda will give God room to do what he's going to do. And I remember Tracy Anderson, an invested mother who is sending her 14-year-old, saying, I like that. I can live with that. That gave me a lot of affirmation. As it turned out, God had been working for years prior to our arrival on what we would be doing down there for him. And I hope you'll hear more of that later from the testimonies of my teammates. So when we left, we left the church parking lot at about 1.30 in the morning, and we arrived in San Pedro Sula about noon, and off we go, um, Colin without his luggage. Then it was a three-hour bus ride that turned into an eight-hour, how should I say it, temperance adjustment trip <laughs> because things are just a little slower down there. 
Our first full day was a split team. Some of us did construction, and some of us went to a preschool. I picked the construction. Building a community shelter. That's what I was told. And it's not far away from base camp. About a mile's walk. But what I didn't realize was base camp was at 5,780 feet. And this site is at 6,180 feet. Yeah, you can figure it out. Very rugged country, but very beautiful, pristine in many, many, many ways. Day after day, the progress continued, followed by the blessings of good weather and hard work. Five. One more slide, please. On Friday, the community gathered, 50-plus children, under one shelter. I didn't know where they were gonna come from. The terrain is very sparse, but Friday, there they were. We played and we sang where we once resided. We worshiped and we ate. We laughed and we prayed. I truly wish you all could have been there. It was ministry in its purest form. This is how our host church does ministry. They find a need, they fill the need, they invite the community, and they introduce them to God. Slide. In closing, I want to be a good brother and a son to our host church. Honestly, this team did not need to travel with an agenda. We simply joined a congregation who performed ministry. They do it all year, every year. Genuine ministry. My teammates will affirm God was glorified and love was shared. And our trip motto was John 13, 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if we have love for one another. Thank you. And I'd like Haley to come up now. Hi, I'm Haley. Um, I am not, I came um, to this church a few times visiting um, my grandma and grandpa, Connie, Mike Fleming. They invited me and I prayed about it, and I knew that this is exactly where he, the Lord wanted me to go. And when we um, arrived in Honduras, we, yeah, we didn't know, like Robert said, exactly what we were going to do. And I just came with open hands, and I said, okay, God, you know what? Whatever you want to happen, happen. Just happen. I'm here to be a disciple and to be your hands and feet. And... He did that, and what was really cool, um, two days before we got there, there was this, um, we had a whole different, apparently, plan, Nancy, our contact, um, had, and she tried to get us to go to this school and other places on the trip, but they said no, and I think it's like in years past or something, they said no as well, 
And finally, two days before we arrived, they finally said yes. And it was like God said, this is the team I want to go. And so we got to go to um, the first couple days to a school. I didn't know what to expect. Um, I didn't know what it was going to look like, what the kids were going to look like. I mean, if I go what they were going to look like. I knew I um, only spoke a little bit of Spanish. And that was a little bit hard for me because I wanted to communicate with the kids so bad. But I didn't, they thought I was speaking gibberish. And I, I'm like, I don't know what to say to you. Like, you're beautiful, but I don't. So we got there and we walked into the school and all the kids were patiently waiting for us. And they were so well behaved. And they had smiles in their eyes and they're like, gringos, like white people. <laughs> um, but they were beautiful. And you could see Jesus through them. Like these are his children. These are my brothers and sisters. And when we were there, we got to perform um, a skit that Amanda and Grace and I did. It's called Smiles. And it was um, kind of a really dorky, funny skit. Got to pretend you're picking up a smile and dancing. And, and it really brought smiles upon those children's faces. And to me, that, that meant a lot. And it was really cool because one time, the second time we were at a school, I was, we were outside playing, and I saw a little boy by himself sitting there. So I go up to him. That's as much Spanish as I know. I'm, I'm that good at it. I had this great conversation. <laughs> um, and I tried talking to him, and eventually the school teacher came up to me, and she started talking to me, and I'm like, okay, I need a translator. What are you saying? And she said that this kid's um, parents are divorced, but they're very, very abusive to this child. And he's very, very heartbroken, um, and he doesn't like to be by people, and he's alone all the time. He doesn't know how to handle friends or anything. And so I looked at him, and it's like, you know, we get that a lot back here, too. And when I saw that little boy, all I wanted to do was just love on him and be like, you are a child of God. You are loved and you are worthy. And so I just kissed him and I hugged him. And it's like he wasn't, he's like, whoa, I've never felt it. It looked like he just wasn't used to that. He didn't know what to expect or what I was doing. Um, eventually when we left, you know, we we're getting ready to leave for the school, I saw the parents, you know, come pick up their kids, but he was by himself still. And... Um, he was kind of sad and down. I, I'm like, aren't his parents coming to pick him up? And eventually I was sitting in the truck, and he looks over at me. He does this huge smile, and I, that was the first I saw him smile, and he waved to me. And it's like that's exactly what Jesus is. You know, we, are, we just need to love and to show people love and to be his hands and feet because that one smile and that one way of just loving somebody is going to change somebody's life. And so at the school there... You know, all these beautiful children, they were so patient and well-behaved. You know, we were sit they're sitting there sometimes for two hours waiting for us or something. And you think back at home here, five minutes, and they're rolling on the chairs. And um, But it was truly a remarkable experience. And those kids are just, those the eyes and the way that you see them, they're just wonderful. And it really changed me and really showed me that we need to be, his hands and feet, because that is what is so important, so important, and um, yeah, I, I feel like I could say so much more, but um, I'm going to invite my grandma up to talk about 
something that's very special to her. Yes, I am Connie Fleming, and I had the most awesome experience and the awesome privilege of spending a week with the Honduran people. Um, I think we all felt like we were going to help, to do something to help, and we were given so much more, so much more. I'm really glad that we're having several people come up because it's so hard for me to find words to explain the trip. Um, God did so much that it's hard. It's hard for, we don't have those kind of words in our English language anyway. I haven't found them. But as Haley said, doors opened up two days before we got there. Two schools, an orphanage, and a hospital that they had been praying for for years to get into. And two days before we got there, it opened up. And so to me, it was like God was saying, this is it. This is the group. We want this group, and we want Gateway Church to know what's going on down here. And I took that really seriously. I think everybody did, because I think we all felt that God was laying this on us. You know, he knew, he knew we had whatever it took to do what he wanted us to do. And we just had to be real open to it. And um, like Haley said, be his hands and feet. And so wherever we went, we tried to be like Jesus so they could experience him. And it's really easy to love those people. It's just really easy. They're just really great people. My heart was touched the most at the orphanage. It was filled overflowing with love and it was also broken into a million pieces I haven't put them all back together yet either so there's going to be some tears here when we drove up there were two open doorways with uh, wooden gates across them and kids were packed up stacked up behind these two wooden gates waiting for us and so they must have known that a group was coming and, and they were just really anxious to see us and so we walked up, and Haley and I happened to be the first two walking in. The minute I got in, I had three little boys hanging on my legs. I couldn't move. I'm standing in the doorway, and I can't move to let everybody else in. And so I'm you know, trying to go, but I got these three boys hanging on me. And so I finally, I picked up the littlest one, and I grabbed the other two and went and got them to come into the room. And there were tables and benches along the sides, and I got them to go over to a bench and sit down with me. So the little one's on my lap. One boy's on this side. One's on this side grabbing my arms. The littlest boy on my lap laid his head on my chest, his cheek on my chest, and just hung on. And I thought, wow, these kids need love. They need somebody to give them attention. So I started talking to the oldest little boy on my right. His name was Anthony. He told me he was six years old. The little boy on my left was Daniel, and he was four. And the guy on my lap was Javier, and he was two. And we talked with little Spanish that I know, and um, 
And then Anthony was asking me something, and I couldn't understand it, so I got a translator over, and he was asking me if we brought any games. And I said, no, I'm sorry, we don't have any, but if you have a game, go get it, and I'll play it with you. And he says, no, we don't have any. And so I called Nancy over, and I said, this kid is killing me. He doesn't have anything to play with. And so she verified it. She went and talked to the employees, and they said, they said yeah, we, we don't have any. We have a few balls and things for the older kids, but we have nothing for them. Well, that just tore my heart, and I thought, what are these kids do with their time. They had some outdoor playground things, but they had nothing to stimulate their minds and to, to spend their time. So as time went on, we started playing um, musical chairs. And you want to put that first picture up with the boys? That's Anthony, the older one, and Javier on my lap. And then you can do the next picture of the musical chairs. Um, the kids started playing musical chairs, and they were having a good time. Javier did not want to go off my lap. So I finally took him, and I set him down, and I took his hand, and I danced around the chairs with him, the musical chairs. And every time the, ch the music would stop, I'd try to get him to sit down, but he wouldn't. So I had to pick him up and put him on the chair and try to get him to smile and laugh, but he just wouldn't. He looked like that the whole time. And so um, we played that for a while, and then, I don't know, there was about five or six chairs left, and he lost, so we went and sat down. Um, I kept trying to tickle him, to talk to him. I kept telling him I love him. I told him Jesus loves him over and over and over again. And he just kind of looked at me, you know, and hugged. He just hugged. And finally, after about an hour of spending time with him, he smiled. You want to put that picture up? It was a really quick smile. I had to grab my phone and grab it quick because that was it. That was the smile. But that was so neat to see. I even got him to giggle once, but I had to give him a raspberry on his tummy to do it. <laughs> But he did. He giggled once, and then he went right back again to being very serious. Then we gave little gift bags to all the little kids at the end just before we left, and they had candy in them and toothbrushes and toothpaste and stuff we brought. And just to explain the generosity of these kids, and, and a little girl took one of her pieces of candy and walked up and gave it to Haley because she had played with her. You know, those kids are just, they, they probably never get candy, but yet they shared it. It was just, just awesome. And all the kids, you could see the smiles on their faces, and it was so worth being there. When we got back, I asked Nancy if we could buy some toys and deliver them to the orphanage. She had already pulled out some of her son's toys and packed them up to take to the orphanage, but we didn't get time to do that. Uh, our days were so booked. And so um, I gave her some extra money and asked her if she would, would do that. And shoot, I left my, can you grab my phone please out of my purse? 
She also sent me a message this morning that I was going to share. It's on the side pocket, honey. Um, so she did. She was able to. Um, she was able to buy toys and some clothing, and she took it all over there on Friday, and then she she posted pictures on Facebook. So you probably can look them of the kids with their toys. Every child got a stuffed animal. The girls got a doll. The boys got a car. And she's done all kinds of things there already. Um, she sent a message. I just read it just this morning. Um, she purchased soccer balls, jumping ropes, and a change of clothes and Crocs for Javier. <laughs> I also gave each one of them their own stuffed animal, a ball, a doll for the girls, and cars for the boys. Also got pencils, Crayolas, stickers, markers, and drawing paper for the classroom. She is just awesome. We need to keep keep helping them in, in those endeavors with all of, you know, I'm sure there's many orphanages, but this was one that we saw. And I just want to share that that night at devotions, every night we had devotions and we talked about our day and I, of course, was crying, and it was such an emotional day for me, and a lot of us were crying, come to think of it. But um, I, I was talking about how it was just so sad that he just wanted to cling to me and lay his, his cheek on my chest and, and cling. And Nolan, the youngest person on our team, says that he pictures that that's how we are supposed to be with Jesus. That's what Jesus wants us to do, is to lay our cheek on his chest and cling to him. Thank you, Nolan. So every time I think of Javier now, I think of that. And so I was trying to give Javier love and let him know how much I love him and how much Jesus loves him. And Javier was teaching me how we need to cling to Jesus. And there's one other thing. In Mark 9, Jesus is talking about a child. And when he hugs a child, or he hugged the child, and then he said, whenever you welcome a child, and then the message version is, whenever you embrace a child, you embrace me, but you also embrace the one who sent me is God the Father. When you think about that, you hug a child and you are hugging God the Father and his son. And it's so easy to hug those people. Thank you. And now Teresa will share one of our experiences. a dream last night that I came up to share and just started crying, so I guess this is really happening. <laughs> oh. I'm very excited and to share with you what the Lord has done in my heart and what he's doing in Honduras. Um, on Thursday, we had the opportunity to go and visit uh, a government-run hospital um, 
just to kind of give you an idea, they have public and private hospitals, and the public hospitals um, have a pretty low standard of care. Um, when I went in and saw it, I just kind of was reminded of seeing movies and seeing a hospital from like the 1950s, just to give you a little bit of an idea. Um, Nancy had shared with us that their nurses there um, that do work and do things, but they're only able to visit patients that are staying there um, once a day, and then it's up to the families to provide the rest of the care as far as purchasing medicine and taking care of their family member. Um, like uh, Connie and Haley had shared, this was the local church's first opportunity to go and to minister at this hospital. Uh, and like they said too, it had just opened up uh, right before we were able to come. There was a lot of red tape that had to be um, gone through before we were able to go there as far as getting verbal and written approval from the director. And just seeing how that all fell into place um, right before we came. So we were the local churches and the church's first representatives of Christ at that place. Uh, Nancy also shared that there were five nurses that worked at the hospital that had been meeting together and praying, and that when they heard that other Christians were coming and that our team was coming, that they were very encouraged by our visit. Um, so needless to say, I was very humbled and very honored and amazingly privileged to to be able to enter into what the Lord was doing and that our team, our church was invited to take a part of that. I felt a high level of responsibility to be a bold ambassador for Christ and also to represent that local church well. Um, I was nervous and, and very anxious that morning. During my quiet time that day um, before we left, I was reading from Ephesians uh, 2.10. Um, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And it was just so encouraging to know that the Lord had gone before us and that he was already there and had already knew what we were going to do and had prepared it. Um, interestingly enough, Colin also could see I was a little anxious that morning before we went in outside of the gates, and he had shared that same verse with me. Um, I was very thankful to know that the Lord was ahead of us and, and was there with us before we went in. Um, as we got to the hospital, we were divided into smaller groups. Uh, some of us would be going into different wards and visiting patients, and others of us would be um, sharing and passing out New Testaments to those that were waiting for, for care and waiting to be seen. Um, when we got there, we were going to be passing out New Testaments and also discerning to see... Uh, who we could pray with and who the Lord was opening up those opportunities for. Uh, when we got there, I had the privilege to, to, to go in the hallways and to share with the people and to pass out New Testaments. Um, I studied Spanish, but it's been 10 years since I've used it, so it's very, very broken. But um, I just, and just myself in general, a little nervous speaking with people that I don't know or in large groups, but I just felt an amazing sense of peace and calm and boldness that I was able to share with people. 
and I shared with about three women and giving them their Bibles, but also able to open the word with them and to read the scriptures with them. I was so, so thankful to be able to do that. I asked that you would continue to pray for those five nurses, that they would continue to be encouraged, that they would know that we're joining with them in prayer and asking the Lord to do a work there, and that you would continue to pray for that local church, that they would continue to have more opportunities to uh, step in and, and minister at that hospital. Um, as many of my teammates have mentioned, these translators and interpreters uh, had a wonderful time getting to know these two young men. Um, if you could put the picture up of Owen, who is in the green shirt. Uh, he's 17 years old, and Andreas, who's 15. Um, wonderful, wonderful young men that stepped up to serve and to join and be a part of our team and, and to help us out. As you see them here, they're in the back of a truck, and as we went to and fro places, we had two vehicles for 13 of us and probably four, four of them from their church to come with us. So uh, as I call them, the youth of today, <laughs> the younger kids, um, and myself, we spent a lot of time in the back of the truck, so I got to know them very well and just grew to love them and to cherish them and I don't spend a lot of time with teen boys as I just have younger children and just seeing how gentle and tender-hearted they were and how much they love the Lord and were so willing to just right away step up and serve and to be to be a part of us was overwhelming to my heart it gives me encouragement for my son who's three that he can grow to be a man of God, to love the Lord, and just to have a desire to serve them, or to serve him. Uh, Owen started college, his very first day of college, the Monday, that was our last Monday there. So he spent his last week, I guess, of freedom with us, and I just was amazed that he would do that. Um, when he shared with our group, uh, on one of the last nights we were there, he said when Nancy had asked him if he wanted you know, would be willing and interested in doing this, he said that immediately in his heart he knew that this is what he was supposed to do, and he said yes. Um, I'm so thankful to know them and to have them and to call them my brothers. Um, this time I'd like Mike to come on up. He has something to share. I wasn't going to um, to speak today, but um, I think the Lord had something uh, different planned for me. Um, I can't add too much more to everything that uh, these people have said. Um, well, I could, but it's uh, it's probably not necessary um, because I feel the same way that they all do. The thing that I wanted to share with you, and I think that uh, the Lord was responsible for this. No, I, I know the Lord was responsible for this, was a dream. And um, I, I'm not given to dreams. I mean, I can't remember a dream um, that I've had that I could remember. 
I can remember a couple of nightmares because I ate too much rich food before I went to bed. But this particular dream um, was kind of like, um, it, it was for me um, a reaffirmation of, of some stuff that I knew was going on. And I'm just going to share that with you, and I'm going to ask that the Lord would give me the words uh, to do justice to it. Um, about a week ago or so, I, I had this dream, and if I can set, kind of set the stage for you, it, I was in a place, I was there, and I had, there was no noise, there was no background, there was, it was soft white light. And the most incredible, um, it's never really happened to me before, the most incredible uh, feeling of peace, um, of, of everything was, was right. Um, it, it was a place that I wanted to stay and just stay there and bask in that feeling. But then as, uh, as the dream progressed, um, the people started coming. And they were at some distance, and then they started to come forward toward me. And they were the Honduran people. Now, I couldn't recognize any of them. Uh, but I knew that they were. And they kind of stopped. There was, it was mostly women, and then there was some men. But this, this lady came forward then to me, and she, she reached out for my hands and took both of my hands, in, in, or took my hand in both of her hands. And there was eye contact that um, the best way that I could describe this is the eye contact was, it was like we both knew what this was all about. And there was a, there was a feeling of, um, I could sense a feeling of gratitude and I could sense a feeling of love and it was a, um, it was, it, it, you have to be there, but it was an incredible experience for me. So then this person moved away and another person went and it seemed like there were older women and older men and then a lot of younger like moms that, uh, that I saw, another person came forward, did the same thing, reached out both of her hands to grab my hand, and in that minute, or in that short period of time, the same feeling of, all, of knowing and understanding uh, that this was something where God had planned it and there was an understanding between us even though there was no communication, no noise, just eye contact. So that went on a bit and then 
I woke up. And I remembered this dream vividly, which is something that never happens to me. And I still had that sense of incredible peace. And as I went through uh, all of the things that we did and all the activities that we were involved in, and you know, it, what it was is really, it was God telling me that our team made a huge difference by being there. That um, it, it was... It was the Lord's doing, and he was involved in it the whole time. And so kind of to end things, um, it really got my attention. And the reality of it is that I feel like the rest of the team very privileged for having the opportunity to bring Christ to people who were very receptive and uh, I will never forget it. Mike had emailed me and said, hey, is there time in the service? And I said, yep. And I'm, I'm glad. I really am. Um, it was a week of, of lessons learned. Um, I used to have a mentality of uh, you don't go on a mission trip for yourself, and I, I want to take that statement back. So if I've ever said that to anybody, I'm going to take that statement back. This mission trip is very much, was, it was for us. Um, God was in it. It was for Honduras. And so um, I, I want to encourage the church this morning. Um, I'm not going to share a testimony except for the fact that uh, lessons were learned. Um, lesson number one was that uh, you pack more in your carry-on than in your check bag. Um, <laughs> I had one change of clothes all week. Um, I got my, my check bag back with all my clothes on Saturday. We left on Monday, so I had it for a couple days. Um, lesson learned was that school buses are still uncomfortable to ride in. That riding in the back of an SUV as a kid is awesome, but as an adult, it's very cramped and uncomfortable. And also, uh, and, and the team will get this, I, it was hard to adjust back to American time versus Honduran time. And I'm not talking time change. I'm talking, hey, uh, we got a three-hour bus ride ahead of us. You mean seven-hour bus ride. <laughs> oh, hey, we're going to be there at 10 a.m. Okay, you mean like 10.30, 10.45. So Honduran time, they just, they're really loosey-goosey with all their stuff. Um, I had a blast with the team. Um, the two verses that we really, that carried us was John 13, 35. By this, you, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I love this team. Um, I love the Honduran people. And uh, the other one was Acts 1, 8. And that is our church's missions uh, verse. That's what drives us to go, is you will be my witnesses. It's a very striking statement by our Savior. And I think too often we think we're going to go witness, we're going to go share the word, we're going to go share our faith, we'll share the gospel, we're going to see people come to Christ. And this trip was very different. We were able to witness what God was doing in Honduras, to be encouraged. And so this morning I want to encourage you. God is at work. Even here in America, God is working. God is sovereign. Even though we may not see it, are we willing to be patient and pray and press in and labor for years to see the fruit. 
These nurses at the hospital prayed for two straight years for a church to come in and evangelize. Two years. And they never gave up. And we were able to witness that fruit. We had nothing to do with that. We were able to witness a family holding to biblical standards. A family who runs a church according to God's word. And see multiple layers of fruit. Clinics, church plants, sister churches, daughter churches being planted in this church's name. Because of them laboring in prayer and by the word. And this church serving in love and having joy in it. The picture that you saw in the slideshow of me with a bunch of ladies, those were the cooks and the, the dishwashers. And finally on Thursday, I, I said, they can't just do all this serving. I went to the kitchen, no Spanish, and said, hey, I want to work. I want to scrub dishes. And they giggled and laughed at me and said something in Spanish and giggled some more. I'm like, sweet, they're making fun of me. That's fine. <laughs> and I washed dishes. And I was scrubbing, scrubbing, and finally, uh, Joselina, one of the gals, nudged me, and she said something in Spanish, so I was like, what? And she pushed me out of the side, and she made me rinse, so apparently I wasn't scrubbing very well. Um, but such a great, such a great time. Um, I want to close, close with this. Uh, this is a great team. This is a phenomenal church. We do want to do missions. We do want to fulfill Acts 1-8. We want to be witnesses. Um, this trip, I think, is just one of many. Uh, I know next year we're looking at possibly two different trips to Honduras. And so please uh, be in prayer for that, that those doors would be open. And this morning I want to call uh, and encourage each of you. Um, if you call yourself a Christian, if you are in Christ, you are called to be an ambassador. You are called to be a witness, and you are called to be holy. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah's having a vision of the Lord. And he's hearing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. The house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. Are you willing to go? Your sins are forgiven. You have a message of hope that this world so desperately needs. And God has called and commanded you to go. And I pray you go. And, and I always say go as soon as we leave the church. We're on mission. In this next year, I'm, I, I'm throwing this challenge at the church. In this next year, I want everyone in our church to go on a short-term missions trip. Whether that's to Minneapolis, Minnesota whether that's to Honduras, whether you wrap in with another organization and go, but please go. You want to be sanctified? You want to be encouraged in your faith? Go serve on a missions trip. God will provide if you are supposed to go, but I really believe in this next year that this church is going to send many multiple missionaries overseas. So as we close this morning, I want to uh, invite 
anyone interested in, in hearing a little bit more about the trip, uh, future opportunities, we're going we're gonna to go grab coffee, donuts. We're going to come back in here and, and just be available for some Q&A, some discussion, questions from you guys. Um, so I'd really invite you to come back in and discuss with us and the team. Um, and I'm going to pray this morning before we go. Heavenly Father, uh, too often I, I believe in America, and even Pastor Paul touched on it last week, we are so watered down and, and selfish in our faith that we forget that you are the one working, that you are working, that you're working in, in Minnesota, that you're working here in Elk River that you're working in the United States, that you're working in Honduras, that you're working in the Ukraine and, and in Russia. And I don't think we can doubt to say those things, God, but I, 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 I would ask that you would give us patience, that your Holy Spirit would encourage us and edify and, and strengthen us to give us patience to see the fruit in your time, not in ours. Lord, encourage this church this morning that as they go out into the foyer and, and talk about things that they would realize how blessed we are as a people. That they would want to come back in and hear more about this trip and more opportunities about what you are doing in Honduras. And so, Father, we thank you for this morning. I would ask that as we go, that we go with joy. Because, Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy. Not of this world, but of you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless each of you. Have a great day.